my name is Tim Williams. I am an assistant professor at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. It's a medical center. It's a graduate school of medicine. I teach in a residency program there. Uh, but that is uh, part of my job. I'm also a private practicing dentist and have been uh, for 25 years. Uh, I'm much like any healthcare professional in the room, even if you're a student. I went to dental school. It was not fun. Uh, I began a practice from scratch, which was made me very humble. And I have been blessed by God to do many things. Uh, perhaps one of the greatest blessings I have had... And, Seriously, a humble honor is to be able to um, take his name to other places, and that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get started, I want to welcome everyone. Hopefully, you've already been welcomed, but officially welcome to the Global Missions Health Conference 2013. If you've never been to Louisville, uh, I'm not a native of Louisville. I've only been here three or four times, uh, and I love the city. It's a really cool place. Um, But if you have not, there are plenty of uh, native Uh, Louisville people here. Uh, I want to thank Lizzie and Aaron. They're going to be helping me uh, today. And uh, I want to open us with a word of prayer, if that's okay. And then I will give you a little bit of an intro of how I like to do things. This is the way I teach when I'm in my residency program. It's also the way I teach when I am in other countries. So uh, let's pray if we could. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to represent your name. Uh, in this place. Um, You know my heart. Um, You know me. And you know each one of us. And Father, uh, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, even though we know that the Holy Spirit lives within us, I ask you, Father, to make us aware more acutely of your presence here. Uh, Make me small so that you may be great. Open the people's ears that are in this room, Father, to hear a word that you have for them, not something that I say, but, Father, tickle their ears for words that you have and move in their spirits. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Okay, so, I'm not a lecturer. I've sat through lectures and gone to sleep. Okay, uh, I am more of an interactive type person. I've already had a few people instructed to wave if you can't hear me, and that's before I found out my mic was not turned on. So hopefully you can hear me, but I have a southern accent. Uh, if we need a translator, there are some people from Louisville here who might could put a mic on and translate. Uh, when I've been to Uganda and India, I always get funny looks, and they ask me if I'm speaking English. I promise you I am. I will try to tone down the eyes and the mys, uh for the eyes and the mys. But uh, if I say something that is confusing, please raise your hand and say, hey, could you interpret that in English? And I will attempt it. Uh, normally, when I was doing this presentation, they said leave ten minutes at the end for questions and answers. But uh, I'm a rule breaker. If you have a question, raise your hand. Okay, uh, I will repeat the question because I'm being recorded, I think. Uh, so don't be offended if I repeat your question wrong. Uh, I will try to get it straight and then try to answer it. If I can't answer it, I'm not a proud person. I'll say, I don't have a clue, but I'll try to get back to you. Uh, I have been instructed that we have, I think, a total of 40 to 45 minutes. I have my lovely helpers here who will signal me, as well as a few plants in the audience who will also help me. Okay? All right, so if you have a question, raise your hand when we get started. Try not to doze off. I will try to keep it lively. I move around, okay? 
Uh, I won't sing Rocky Top because Tennessee stinks this year. Uh, and so we'll just get rolling. Um, what we're going to be talking about a little bit today is empowering methods for short-term missions. Let me tell you how I started. This is the way it is usually done. This is me on my very first international trip. Uh, my wife and I decided we were going to go. Uh, well, actually, we didn't decide. She told me I was going to India. Uh, I am a country boy. I grew up in the country. I had really, I didn't fly on an airplane until I was 23 and married, and uh, that was an adventure. And I had really certainly never traveled internationally outside of Europe uh, until this trip. And uh, India was amazing uh, in many ways. It was astounding. And uh, I was not a young dentist in this picture. It's not been that long ago. And uh, I've been in practice, as I said, 25 years. And what I found was uh, it was very difficult. Uh, Hey, you guys want to see if we can turn the light down in the front because it's a little difficult to see. It's okay if you don't see me. Trust me, it's... Not that big a deal. Uh, I really want you to be able to see what we're doing here. Um, is that okay? Can you guys see okay? Okay, good. Um, and so uh, this is a physician that was with us. And so this may be a very familiar way that many of you are used to doing uh, missions. Uh, where you go, you set up, you go to village, from village to village or medical clinic or dental clinic or whatever facility you're in, a church, what have you, and then you just go after it. You do medicine, you do dentistry, you do nursing, you do optometry, whatever it is that you do and you were called to do, uh, that's what we do. And we did that for about a week, and that's me working in a village just outside. Uh, we'll run through these quickly. I'll put that slide there only to show you this. It was smoking hot, uh, but that's my lovely wife right there, and she is a trooper. Uh, she cannot stand the sight of blood, and yet she tried for the love of me and the love of her God to do it, and she won't be going back because she did not do well. Uh, So (laughs) the advantages, though, of going and doing, and there are some advantages to going and doing ministry this way, okay? Uh, We can use our skills to help many more people. I I can tell you for a fact I can extract more teeth than anyone that I train. There's no question about it. I can do it. I've done it a long time. Uh, A third-year dental student can do more extractions in a week than someone that we train there uh, the very first time out. Okay, so there's an advantage to that. A lot of work can be done in a short amount of time. We can infuse resources, money, and supplies into a region. I mean, admit it, we are a blessed nation. We're a blessed people, okay? We have a lot of money. We have a lot of skill. We have a lot of education. And we take that to a region, and we can really infuse a lot of, a lot of uh, resources to any certain region we go to. Okay, and then those of us who go on this, and this was certainly my experience, we come back with quite a sense of accomplishment. You know, it kind of feels good to help other people, right? God commanded us to go on to all the earth and spread the gospel and preach the good news and heal the sick. And man, it felt really good on a very greedy, prideful level. Um, I will give you a little bit more of an individual anecdote. Uh, I just read a book uh, by David Platt. Um, no, take that back. I go on the trip to India. This is the picture you just saw. Uh, got back. I had the book waiting. I read the book Radical, and it kind of knocked me down a little. And the very next book I read was by a guy that you'll probably hear tonight uh, at the plenary speaker called uh, Brian Fickert and uh, called When uh, Helping Hurts. Is that right? That's the name of his book. I don't know if any of you have read that. If you haven't read it, I recommend reading it. Uh, what little... Uh, pride I had left was totally torn away from me at that point because I suddenly realized, looking back over my shoulder, 
what I had done. Um, I had done all the things that I said here that are advantageous. I had done a lot of work, uh, and I felt really accomplished, but here's some things that happened. What happens to the people that can't be seen when we leave? How does that impact our message? I don't know how many of you have been to some of these areas, um, but when you go to an area that's underserved, there can be literally uh, hundreds and hundreds of people that show up. And if it's only you or a small team, many, many times you have the uh, occasion to leave people uncared for. And that's not a good feeling. Uh, what's the effect? And, th- and that's the effect outwardly. That's the people we're reaching out to spread the gospel to. Uh, but what happens to the, uh, to, our, to the team's presence on the sponsoring church members or the ministry that you're working through or on the people that we actually do treat? Uh, in reality, there's a lot of good that's been done through, through medical missions, through probably 100 years since we started going. And certainly since the advent of uh, airline travel intercontinentally, the short-term missions has been a tremendous boon. Uh, to developing nations and healthcare, taking healthcare to the to the developing world. However, uh, I think sometimes it's outweighed by the harm. Uh, I think sometimes we can cause hard feelings. I think we can cause dependence, and we can disenfranchise dearly beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. How do we do that? Uh, an observation I made, actually, in hindsight, because remember I read the book When Helping Hurts and Radical when I got back, and <laughs> Uh, really prayed a prayer of repentance uh, because I had gone totally unprepared uh, and came back and my eyes were opened. Um, what happens, local believers tend to disengage when uh, we arrive. Um, it takes effort to engage uh, a people group when they have uh, no stake in the game other than just hosting okay, or logistics. Um, I saw that looking back. Uh, sometimes the people we help get the wrong message. Okay, they'll take our American services, but they really don't want anything to do with our American God. Um, I've had uh, anecdotal stories told to me where uh, people show up at clothing giveaways or health clinics and there'll be an altar call or something and people are getting saved several times every year just to get the clothes. And that's really not the message, obviously, that we want to send out. And that really disenfranchises a people group. Uh, there can be bitterness and even violence if we have to leave before everyone needing care is not seen. That has happened uh, in Nigeria not too long ago. A group that uh, I was speaking with had that happen. And even worse, and this is the worst thing, our fellow in-country believers can be made to feel inadequate. Um, because let's face it, in a country where $125 a year is a, is an, is a good income, and we walk in and we can put... Ten times that in the offering plate if we want to um, can have a, a disenfranchising effect on people. And we know that God looks at the heart, but we also know that man looks at the outside. And it grieved me to know that I might have done harm like that. So I come back from India and read the books, was humbled, prayed. I also had a backache, a tremendous backache. Like I said, I'm not a young guy anymore. Uh, stooping over uh, chairs for hours and hours on end in the dirt and the heat took a toll. So I got back thinking there's got to be a better way uh, and started looking then for some way 
to make it easier on me when I went back. And God has this really neat way of showing up when we pray to him. Uh, A friend told me about this guy named Steve Saint uh, in Florida who just happened to make a dental chair just for that reason. Uh, Long story, believe it, longer than I'm going to be telling it. Short, uh, flew down, looked at it, uh, hooked up then with this crazy dentist in Louisville, Kentucky, a group that he had started called Empower uh, named Charlie Vitito. And uh, took a look at what they had going, and my eyes were opened a bit. Hey, man, how are you, Jack? Uh, my eyes were opened. Uh, I realized suddenly I didn't have to. Um, I didn't have to do it all. As a matter of fact, I couldn't do it all. I just thought I could, uh, and I tried. I really did try to do it all, and I tried to be it all. Uh, it just wasn't working, and we all know what happens when. Well, Satan's best tool is pride, right? And I had an abundance of that. Um, So I ended up uh, adjusting my focus. Actually, God adjusted my focus with the help of uh, a few people in Louisville here uh, and some folks with Empower on a trip. So my wife and I then took off to Uganda and did our first trip empowering. So what if, instead of going and doing... We go and teach how to do things. And instead, or instead of showing others an American God, and this is what I did hear a lot uh, in, in India particularly, uh, instead of showing them an American God that looks like me or certainly may talk like me, they get to see and experience God in their own dialect, in their own tongue, or even more, they get to feel the caring touch of someone who was just like them, grew up just like them, in the same culture as them, maybe even in the same village as them. That has benefits. Okay, uh, What that does, uh, if we, uh, instead of going and taking over, um, if we pull in our students that we teach, or if we pull in the ancillary workers in the communities that we go to and allow them to get involved in every facet of what we do, what would that look like? And instead of, and this was the real one that drove it home for me, instead of caring for people for one week, when I could probably do, I don't know, I tried to do the math once, I could probably do 100 extractions a day for a week, I don't know, maybe. Say I, say I do 700 extractions. That's, that is a drop in the bucket to anyone uh, in a developing country that goes into a village. They can tell you that is a mere drop in the bucket of what needs to be done in any community in any given week. And we could send people every month or every other week and still not be able to touch them the way someone that speaks their language and cares about them and is available 24 hours a day to meet their needs that can do. That's what impacted me. What would that look like? And this is where my eyes got open. This is Uganda. Um, this is a Dr. Langelier, um, great young man, very, very devout man of God, speaking to a, a group of students. Uh, this is uh, a dentist from Kentucky, actually, speaking to a group in India. Uh, this is me speaking. This I'll be talking about a little bit more uh, in a moment, uh, to our students teaching. Uh, doing, we do sterile technique. I'm not going to go into the details of exactly how we present dentistry, okay, because then everyone would go to sleep. And frankly, I don't want to bore you to tears. However, if you really want to know what we do, um, I'll be glad to give every detail of what we do. 
And if you have a toothache, I can let someone teach someone to do it on you. Uh, we do teach full sterile technique. There's the dental chair, by the way, that I tech uh, so, uh, so well, I think, uh, invented for us or created. Uh, we do teach sterile technique. We are insistent on uh, maintaining good sterilization. But I think the most important thing we do is we realize one thing. What we do is to preach and to heal the healing ministry of medicine, dentistry, nursing. Uh, quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, is just a temporary tool. The tent that we live in here that we call our body breaks. Okay, Mine breaks more now than it ever did as I'm crossed over into the second half of my life. Um, and... Uh, Having an impact on someone's physical health means a lot to us as healthcare providers, right? But it doesn't do me a lot of good to take a tooth out on someone only to have them die and go to hell. How have I helped them? I've given them a temporary relief, okay? Um, and that's good. I don't want to belittle that. But if it doesn't have lasting, eternal significance in someone's life, uh, I personally, and I feel strongly about it, and I will give you my opinions, and they are sometimes just mine. You may see my colleagues at Empower shy away. Um, I wouldn't go if all I was doing was pulling teeth. If this were just a secular ministry, um, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go. Um, I've got plenty to do here. There are plenty of local ministries that I could do here. And that's just my opinion. Okay, so what I do... And I think what I speak for almost everybody in this room, I'm almost sure of it. Um, if we don't have a lasting eternal significance to what we do, I think we need to reexamine our motives. Uh, and this, to me, is the most important thing that we do. These are some of our trainees. Uh, Pastor Caleb and Pastor Deepak will recognize some of these people. Unfortunately, Pastor Caleb is speaking down the hall against me, and that was not intended, but the way it ended up. Um, and this is just a, a few of the things we do. I'll go through these rather quickly, okay? Uh, this is an interesting story. This is Uganda. This was a young man who was not part of our teaching class. This goes to show... How God puts things, uh, if anyone's traveled internationally on ministry or mission trips, you know how God has things happen and how one must be flexible. Uh, this young man was showed up every single day uh, to the church where we were working, every day. Uh, enthusiastic, smiling, talking to people as they were waiting. And uh, one of our hygienists, who just happens to be the director of Empower, uh, Linda uh, Webster, who's right over there, put a type of dot and a toothbrush in his hand, and yes, that is a cleaning brush, it's not a toothbrush, and taught him how to brush teeth, okay? Uh, and he, while people were waiting, would go out into the waiting crowds and show people how to brush their teeth. And uh, obviously, remember what I said a minute ago, it means nothing if we don't share the gospel or have opportunity to open people's uh, minds to what God has for them. Uh, he obviously started sharing the gospel with him. So we gave him a title. I don't know if you can read that. It says Simon Oral Health Educator. And that smile uh, was with us the rest of the week. It was quite an amazing week. So uh, another thing that we did, we have students that come through. And this is the thing. This is one of the things, y'all, or you people, that um, this is one of the things that uh, 
I have heard as an objection to going and teaching is that there's no way to teach uneducated people. I'll use quotes. Uneducated people how to do things that took me four years to do. Okay? And there's a scientific word for that. Bull. (laughs) It's not true. Uh, This young lady uh, was a nurse by training, actually. Um, She's a nurse by training. She was a student, and I think we'd done one and a half day of lectures. She comes to our team leader, it was not me on this trip, and says, I would like to do the review for the students the next day. We thought, okay, Suzanne, you may do the review. And we really didn't know what that looked like because no one had ever approached us to do a review uh, that we had just trained. And uh, quite frankly, uh, we were blown away. Uh, she stayed up all night by candlelight. She didn't have power. It went off. Uh, so she stayed up literally all night studying the manual uh, and came in and gave every bit as good a review as I could have done. And I've been a dentist for 25 years, and I've been teaching for 10. And um, talking about eye-opening, this young lady can be taught. Furthermore, she can teach. And those of us in education have uh, all heard the saying, um, do one, watch one, do one, teach one. Well, she did that. Oh, and she didn't know that saying. She just did it. So, uh, and this is us in clinic working. Uh, That is me from a lovely side view, so we'll skip that one quickly. Uh, And this is another clinic we were doing in uh, central India. Um, And we have them all ages. And you guys will see this too, and I'm sure if you've never been, uh, you will obviously hopefully get to go and see what God can do through you. Uh, Are there limitations to what can be taught? Sure there are. Um, I don't think open heart surgery is going to be taught anytime soon. I have a young lady that I taught in Sunday school as a young person who's now a pediatric heart surgeon. She just got back from Tenwick Hospital in Kenya last week, and she did nine open heart surgeries. I dare say she's not going to be able to pass that skill along, okay? Uh, I could be wrong, but I don't see that happening, at least in the near future. I will tell you this, though. Uh, She has trained uh, surgical techs and assistants uh, to do the work and the follow-up because they came back. And so I do know that happened. Are there things that are simply undoable in this model? Sure, I just gave you one. Are there other things? Cataract surgery right now can't be done in the field. I don't think it's teachable. Uh, I don't know if LASIK is. Um, I don't know if... uh, I can't think of anything offhand uh, in your specialty groups. I don't know. There's a lot of specialties probably represented in here. I'm sure some of you can think of many things that weren't be teachable. I personally don't think I would be able to teach someone how to do a root canal in the field. Okay? But frankly, thankfully, uh, the needs are so great that root canals are way down on the list of things that are important to relieve people of pain. Extractions are very high on the list. Uh, Restorations and other things like that can also be taught, but they're not high priority yet, and we'll get to that. But another question we have is, how does this work long term? We are now in our eighth year, I think. Of, of going, and we've been in a dozen countries or so. This is not a commercial for Empower. Uh, you can go to the exhibit floor, and there are many, many like-minded ministries that do this. His Healing Hands is another one that does some medical stuff we've partnered with in the past, and I dearly, dearly love that group of people. Uh, but how does it work long-term? Um, I think what we're starting to see 
is a second generation. Uh, some of the students that we taught have been with us um, on follow-up trips as we go back. Uh, a little background on exactly how, I do, how, how we do this. Uh, we will go, we will do a first-time training, and it usually lasts about a week, okay, where we will teach a day and a half, and we'll do clinical, actual hands-on, technical dentistry, extractions, or medicine, basic medicine, if you will, uh, how to monitor vitals. If we're doing micro-business, we'll go through those models as well, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, maybe. Uh, and then they will, they will work for a week. We then go back. We wait for about uh, six months to a year, and then we try to go back and we do what's called a follow-up because any of us in here that were students, well, okay, so there was a few gunners in here maybe, but some of us, including me, did not remember. It didn't take very well the first time, and if you left me to my own devices, I would figure out some way to screw it up in the following few times. That's why in medicine, dentistry, nursing, whatnot, we have what's called continuing education, right? We have requirements. Um, and we adhere to those, and it's insistent that we continue that. So we go back and we do a follow-up. And on our follow-up visits, some of the same students that we had trained previously would send, tend to come back and help us. And so what's happened over the last three or four times that just me have been to uh, Uganda, uh, I've seen the same uh, cast of characters. You can see the name tag Joseph there. Joseph's been with me three or four times Joseph is more skilled at extracting teeth than I am. I promise you. Uh, another young man named Peter. Um, this is Peter here. Very skilled at extracting teeth. More than me. Do you know why? He's probably done more teeth in the last year than I'll do in two or three. Okay? Because that's all he does. Oh, wait. That's not all he does. He's also a pastor. And he pastors four or five churches in four or five villages. And Peter rides his bicycle from village to village with his chair strapped on his back, taking out teeth and telling people the good news of Jesus Christ and how he can help them. And this is in a part of Uganda where uh, the LRA was pretty prominent in the last decade or two. So what we're starting to see is these young men have more impact than we do. Uh, when I tell a new student... Uh, something about technical extractions or medicine, as it were, on a follow-up. They may look at me and nod, but inevitably I will catch them speaking with Peter or Joseph in this case just to make sure one of two things is what I said true or number two, and you guys have heard me speak for about 20 minutes now, what is it he said because they couldn't understand me. So uh, we're starting to see a second generation of non-American non-American uh, healthcare providers stepping forward. Uh, I don't know at this point that we will I will ever want to uh, let them go about the country on their own because of government restrictions. But they are certainly equipped to step in and help. This last trip to Uganda was the first time training, and uh, basically uh, all I did was draw up anesthetic and a lot of anesthetic so that they could uh, do the clinic work. Um, and uh, it was a phenomenal success. These two gentlemen, Joseph and Peter, did all of the clinical instruction with very little guidance from me. Uh, they are that skilled people. It was amazing to see what God can do when we step out of the way and teach people what we're gifted to do and let God and the Holy Spirit do His work. Okay, Is it possible that they're going to know the innervation of the skull? I doubt it, but the Holy Spirit built this machine that we live in, okay? 
God built it. Okay, I'm, I'm convinced that God's hand is on this ministry. I've seen too many impossible things happen that I would be referring to a surgeon in America and these men pray and they pray with each other and they pray with the patient and things miraculously happen. I don't have time to go into it. Another thing that can happen, this is another ministry that just recently popped up. Some of the countries, and this may be a question you may have, how do we get around government officials? Um, we partner with in-country ministries. We don't go in as, uh, as independent ministries into an area and just set up shop. We work with in-country ministries. It's very important, I think, that we partner uh, because there needs to be oversight and organization even though we have individuals that are being placed around the countryside, right? Uh, But some of the countries are a little more restrictive than others and we leave that to the in-country partner to let us know uh, what we can and cannot teach. We weren't able this past trip to Kenya to teach uh, extractions, okay? Uh, there was a, apparently a law change in Kenya, uh, which we are going to leave that up to God because he runs governments and makes them rise and fall. God will take care of it. However, we still can teach oral hygiene. We can even teach them how to paint fluoride on their teeth. Uh, we can do uh, scaling. You can do basic medical. Uh, you can do wound care. I know there's some nurses and physicians in the room. Uh, while we were in Uganda teaching dentistry, there was a formerly trained uh, physician, a nurse actually, I think, who was teaching wound care. And then they were doing wound care. And the goal here, remember, is first and foremost to present the gospel of Jesus Christ using empowering methods that we're gifted with. Okay? Now, I can sing. I know it don't sound like it, but I can. I grew up thinking God was going to use my voice to spread the gospel around the world, right? Didn't even think about dentistry. Uh, shows you what I know. Um, and then I got over to India and tried to sing in English and no one understood a word I said. And it went, oh, okay, so God's not going to use my voice because I don't sing 300 languages. Uh, my eyes were opened. So we go now and we do whatever we can do, whatever we can do, to spread the gospel through what we know. Dentistry is what it is for us. This is a young dentist out of Birmingham who was on his very first trip with us. Uh, We're showing oral hygiene. This is a pastor of a slum church in Kenya. Nice young man. Uh, This is showing creativity. We knew we couldn't teach extraction, so we didn't bother. Uh, But we did teach him how to put fluoride on. We did teach him how to show each other, uh, how, show people how to brush. This is Gus, one of our ministry partners, teaching a young group of high school students from the slum how to brush their teeth. And give them toothbrushes, by the way. But here's the thing we need to do. And, here's the, and this is not my idea. Now, most of you guys go to the dentist, right? We have access to care in the U.S., right? How many times do we get our teeth cleaned a year? Every how many months? Every six months, right? That's correct. Um, we didn't bother to tell them that because, frankly, we didn't know what the culture was there. And so we teach them that we're going to, we show them how to brush their teeth and we show them how to floss and we teach them how to put the fluoride on their teeth uh, as a vehicle to get into the homes in the slum to share the gospel and also to do wound care and to do water sterilization, which is another thing we teach. Um, and... One of the students said, 
how often should we be putting fluoride on their teeth? And we said, well, you can do it every six months. Because everybody in here knew that answer, right? They didn't. They said, well, what if we get a list of people that we go into their homes and keep a list of them, and then every six months it gives us an opportunity to go back and share the gospel? And I looked at my partner, uh, that was uh, Dr. Griffin, that was with me, and I said, did you talk about recall while I was out of the room sometime? Because that's exactly what they did. And while we were finishing talking, Gus, who was a, who was a ministry partner, sat down and devised a recall card. They now have their own recall system in the slum, in Kibera, uh slum, where they're now going uh, from, quote, unquote, home to home. And they can every six months, at least every six months, go check on the toothbrushes, check on the children's health, and share the gospel. Okay, and share the gospel. Okay, if there's nothing else you take out of what I say today, please don't take out of here that I'm just talking about how to go do health care. It's not. It is not that. It is sharing the gospel of Christ. This is the pastor of this slum church. This is one of the little boys in the slum. And Pastor Jackson is putting fluoride on his teeth. And he was just adorable. Had to put the picture in there because I thought he was a cutie. And so there he is. This, however, is what was really good. This is a goal. We wanted to get the children first. That's why you see most of the pictures of the high school students and the elementary students and the little kids of the village, which are always around, uh, was to enable us to hopefully get to the parents. Because we do know this, and I think this is true in almost every culture. It certainly was true in Paul's day when in Philippian jailer and his entire household came to know Jesus Christ. That if you can get the parents trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior, the whole household will be changed. And if you can get the key villagers to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Many times the entire village will come to Christ. The stories uh, are many. You have many stories. And I would love to sit down and share them over a cup of coffee downstairs sometime of what God can do when people submit to His will. And I certainly am the least of these. Uh, I am just privileged to be able to see this young lady who was a delightful character put fluoride on this young man's teeth. He runs home, gets his mother, who gets another lady, and says, can you show us how to do that? And what does that mean to us? Yes, she shared the gospel right there. It was so cool. It was so cool. Okay, here's who I work with. This is a group out of Louisville. It's called Empower Approach. Um, I'm basically finished. This is what we do. Um, there's the website. Here's our booth if you want to pop over. I will be there some off and on. Uh, we uh, are doing um, dentistry and basic medical now for sure. We're also doing some micro business and environmental hygiene, clean water projects. And frankly, the, the, the playing field is wide open, okay? The playing field is literally wide open because, y'all, we serve a big God. He can take a hillbilly from the mountains of East Tennessee with bad language skills and stick him in places that when I was a kid I never would have dreamt. And not for my glory, for goodness sakes, but for his glory. And if he can do that, I promise you he can use you. I promise you he can use you. Uh, Are there questions? There have to be a few. I, I just threw one out about governments. But yes, sir. Aaron, can you help us with the mic? And I wanted to ask you, um, obviously the people you're training are doing, continue to do the procedures and doing the things uh, while you're gone. Um, how are they supported financially with the materials they need? 
That's a great question. I'll repeat it. Uh, the question was, how are the ministries supported after we're gone? Uh, when we go, we do take a base amount of supplies. Um, and the ministries that we work with sponsor us to come over. We pay our own way, by the way. This is not a, a, a paid for by grants or anything. It's paid for out of us, God's provision. Uh, but the ministries are aware of the fact that when we go, that they will be uh, replenishing their own stock. Okay? Um, you know what? There's someone better that can answer that. Uh, Pastor Deepak, could you come up? Uh, Pastor Deepak is in North India. Uh, I've worked with him two or three times. Uh, you're talking about a tremendous story. Uh, this this man is it. Uh, Pastor Deepak can tell you probably better than me, and I'm going to have to change mics because it's recorded. Uh, so pardon the noise. If, uh, thank you. If I could take five minutes to answer your question. Uh, to begin with, I just want to share a testimony and add on to what Dr. Tim said. Um, Empower was an eye-opening event for me. I have been in the ministry for the last 15, 16 years. I have had several medical teams from USA come over. In the last 14 years, maybe I had 14 different teams from all over USA. They came and they did medical camp. They came, they did the medical camp, they went away and then we would just stand. We didn't know what to do. But they came, they did a good job for that particular time of one week, ten days. And uh, we were able to make many friends because doctors from America are coming and then they do and they go back. Uh, once I was invited uh, to go to southern India. I stay in north India in the state of Punjab. So Empower invited me to attend a kind of this training thing in southern India. And I would never ever think that how could we train uh, untrained pastors uh, to do dental? I, I, I just couldn't, uh, you know, digest that. But then, you know, I went to southern part of India and I saw uh, Pastor Caleb and his men being trained. And when I saw their pastor, you know, I just matched their pastor with my pastors. And I said, well, I have few pastors who have a better communication skill. So if they can do, why not we do? And that was the catch. And when, when I went back, uh, the Empower team came and they trained our uh, people. They left. There was one church that we were struggling. We had a lot of opposition. There was a church in the state of Haryana. Haryana is the least unleashed state in India. If you go to northwest India, Haryana. So that church, we had a lot of opposition from the entire community. We didn't know what to do. We did medical camp. The teams came and they went away. We had no way uh, to bring in people. There were neighbors who would stop. They would abuse us uh, right in front of our church door. They would throw garbage. They would build a small wall. We didn't know anything. And one of the couple who got trained in this Empower, maybe when the team comes back, you'll see, Rishi Dutt and his wife, uh, they got this training. Everything went well. The team left. And we asked and challenged our people that you need to go and start doing camps. And this one particular couple went back to the church, got this chair, put up a small Almira, purchased medicine. Locally, the medicines are available all over the world. Kenya, Africa, India. If you go to a bigger cities, you can always find them. They're cheap, much cheaper than in the U.S. And, and that kind of uh, resource we can always garner. It's in third world countries, in North India, even in the shanty town, you know, people would give that kind of money to go and buy medicine if they're sick. 
They said, at least we have people who can heal us. So this church, this lady and her husband, they started a small clinic, a dental clinic. And in the next two months, the entire company, community changed. Their view changed. And they said, they are here doing something for us. And, and today we have, uh, you know, the church clean. People are coming every day. On an average, about 20 to 25 people come and have their uh, teeth checked, pulled, or high, we had a hygiene thing. And today the church is growing. And, and I told, this took me 10 years to learn. And, and I praise God that finally I met the right group, right people. I was invited to the training in southern India. And I prayed about it. And I was very much uh, uh, careful as to, no, 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 my people can't learn. And, and, you know, this really transformed our, that one particular church, but it has transformed in our ministry. And coming back to your question, you know, how do we uh, do... The, now that community, the church itself, we have people who come, they pay some money and get them their teeth treated and they pay that. With that kind of money, we can go and buy medicine, equip the small clinic. So these are small things, I think, so it's very easy for us to self-sustain. Very, very easy. No excuse on that. And I think so every... Church in third world nation, nation need to learn. And if we have to grow, we have to transform India for Christ. This is only the way to self-sustain and stand on our own feet and with dignity serve Christ. Does that answer your question? Thank you. Yes. Aaron? I could stand here, but then more. It's okay. Okay, so, for those of you who wondered what can be done and what can't be done, there's a couple of things more that I never put on my list. Uh, that's amazing. I will tell you this, and, and he did have one good point. Uh, most of the students that we teach are much more gentle than we are. Um, those of us who do dentistry and or medicine routinely, I think sometimes forget that there's a human attached to that gum tissue or that body or other parts that we work on. Uh, but when we train our students, they're much more gentle now, maybe because they're scared stiff, and the, some of them are. But think back to when you were in school, how many of you were shaking on the first injection? I dare say most everyone in here that's a nurse, a doctor, or a dentist Hands shook pretty good when they did their first injection. And our students are not unlike that. However, they're very gentle. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a, it, it truly is amazing to watch. Thank you. Other questions? Anything else? Okay. Yes, ma'am. In all your different uh, adventures, have you come across any work with disabled children and particularly physical therapy type ideas because what we're doing, that's something we're finding we're going to need to do. The disabled children are often left behind. Nobody's caring for them. And I was thinking, 
dentally, there's going to be some disabled children issues, and also uh, just other physical needs that disabled children have. I could, the question there was, are we doing anything with the physically disabled children when we go? Uh, the short answer there is no. However, I have been approached in my city, actually outside of Empower, by physical therapists who want to go and start teaching uh, teachable skills, therapy skills. And so is that possible? Absolutely it's possible. Do we have the manuals and the training set up in Empower yet? No, we don't. Uh, if someone wants to come alongside, I promise you that we will talk to you. By the way, I have absolutely no standing in Empower, okay? I'm, just a, I'm not on the board. I'm not on any directorial thing. I'm just a dentist that's been on two or three trips and absolutely is astounded at what God does. Uh, and so I have, no, I have no standing with anyone in Empower except they put up with me. So, however, the director's sitting right there and the head of the board's right over here. So, you know, uh, after we're finished, whatever happens, happens, okay? Uh, by the way, just going back, what Pastor Deepak said, uh, we do try to encourage our partners to charge something for the extractions, okay? Because I do think this crosses all cultures. When we give things away, sometimes we're taken for granted. And uh, even if it's uh, even if it's 50 rupees or uh, some small amount, it's appreciated. And it also goes to buying supplies. Okay, do we insist on that? It's not a deal breaker. We work for the ministry. We do not go in and take over. So Pastor Deepak will tell you when we go, he actually guides us and tells us where we're going and tells us what to do. And we try to work within those. The good thing is it's such a good partnership. It works so well. Um, I would encourage anyone who is going and doing uh, to at least consider going and teaching because you can multiply what you do many, many times over. So the small seed that you sow can actually harvest hundreds and hundreds, not teeth or appendectomies or C-sections, but souls for Christ that we won't know till we get to heaven, right? Any other questions? Well, guys, I want to thank you so much uh, for enduring my accent, uh, for being a very attentive audience. Thank you for showing up on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, and I look forward to bumping into some of you uh, downstairs around. I'll be around in the booth, 1901. Uh, go to empowerapproach.org. Um, think Linda and Norm will be here if you want to talk to them afterwards. Uh, thank you so much, and have a great conference.